for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, John 10. John chapter 10. Oh, I'm on Luke 10. That's not going to work. It's a different... Okay, there we go. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth. Anyone who speaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because he doesn't belong, because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too and that are not In this sheepfold, I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life, so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down, and when I want, I will also take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinion about him. Some said, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? It was now winter and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking around the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is in the work I do in the Father's name, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, At my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus replied, It is written in your own scriptures 
that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are God's. And you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if these people who received God's message were called God's, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God? After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do this work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. Even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptized and stayed there a while. And many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another. But everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. Now, in John 10, we see... Jesus specifically speaking to his identity as Messiah. That's what he's talking about. But in that context, as is always the case with Jesus, Jesus talks about personal relationship with God. And he talks about personal relationship with God with an analogy of shepherd and sheep. Now, what they, they understood that analogy, but what they didn't understand was that he was claiming to be the Messiah. Really, more to the point, they were rejecting his identity as Messiah. Now, to the best of my knowledge, everyone that's gathered here today has identified Jesus as Lord and Savior. So we have come to some beginning of an understanding of what that means. But I think we could use a little bit of help on this example of sheep and the shepherd. So I want to read to you a little bit more from a shepherd. The relationship which rapidly develops between a shepherd and the sheep under his care is to a definite degree dependent upon the use of the shepherd's voice. Sheep quickly become accustomed to their owner's particular voice. They are acquainted with its unique tone. They know its peculiar sounds and inflections. They can distinguish it from that of any other person. If a stranger should come among them, they would not recognize nor respond to his voice in the same way they would to that of a shepherd. Even if the visitors should use the same words and phrases as that of their rightful owner, they would not react in the same way. It is a case of becoming actually conditioned to the familiar nuances and personal accent of their shepherd's call. It used to amaze and intrigue visitors to my ranches to discover that my sheep were so indifferent to their voices. Occasionally, I would invite them to call my sheep using the same words and phrases which I habitually employed, as we saw in the video earlier. But it was to no avail. They ewes and lambs and even the rams would simply stand and stare at the newcomers in rather blank bewilderment as if to say, who are you? This is simply because over a period of time, sheep come to associate the sound of the shepherd's voice with special benefits. When the shepherd calls to them, it is for a specific purpose that has their own best interests in mind. It is not something he does just to indulge himself or to pass the time away. His voice is used to announce his presence. He is there. It is to allay their fears or timidity. Or it is to call them to himself so they can be examined and counted carefully. He wants to make sure that they are all well, fit, and flourishing. Sometimes the voice is used to announce that fresh feed is being supplied or salt 
minerals, or water. He might call them up to lead them into fresh pastures or into some shelter from an approaching storm. But always the master's call conveys to the sheep a positive assurance that he cares for them and is acting in their best interests. When my children were young, they saved up a few dollars to purchase their own pet ewes, and it was a delight to watch them go out into the fields and call up their own sheep. Quickly, these youths came to recognize the voice of their owners. When they were called, they would come running to be given some special little handout of grain or green grass. They would be hugged and cuddled and caressed with childish delight. It was something which both the sheep and the owners enjoyed. In all of this, the key to the contentment of the sheep lies in recognizing the owner's voice. When the sheep hear that voice, they know it is their master and respond at once. And the response is much more than mere recognition. They actually run toward the shepherd. They come to him for they know that he has something good for them. So we've learned how the sheep come to recognize their shepherd's voice and respond by running when called. Over a prolonged period of time, they become acutely aware that it is actually in their best interest to do this. They have learned to trust it, to rely on it, but even more significant to actually enjoy hearing it. This is simply because the voice and the shepherd are as one. His voice denotes his presence. His voice indicates he is there in person. His voice represents his power, authority, and ability to protect them in danger while also providing for their every need. In essence, the sheep become so acquainted with that voice that they know it intimately. They come to expect it. That voice of that owner speaks peace and plenty to them. To hear and know that voice is to be constantly reassured of the shepherd's care for them. It is evidence of his affection and faithfulness to them. So today I want to talk about the value of choosing to listen. We've seen Jesus' words about his sheep, specifically talking within the context of a personal relationship with God and of those who have received this new life, this salvation in Jesus. That's the context of his words. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd, sacrificing his life for the sheep, giving them a rich and satisfying life in contrast to our enemy who wants to come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus speaks specifically of sheep who recognize his voice. What we're talking about this month is that God is in a conversation with us. We've invited you to try out some new mechanisms, tools, some a new experiment to listen to worship music and consider who God is. You don't have to be talking all the time in your time with God.
Let's learn how to consider the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit apply them to our lives. Instead of lecturing ourselves and sermonizing to ourselves or to each other, let's let the Holy Spirit apply the scriptures. We can hear the Holy Spirit's guidance for us. You see, also on the screen, the words of James. And I love James. I don't want to get derailed in time by talking about James, but the pastor of the Jerusalem church, the biological half-brother of Jesus, he says this, and he was the one who, he heard the voice of Jesus. He saw the life of Jesus. He saw the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. He learned a lot. He was willing to be killed for his faith in Jesus. And it is James who says to us, come close to God and God will come close to you. So I'm just going to blatantly pull some stuff out of the book that I gave you. Listen to worship music and appreciate who God is and what he has done. Now, I know that some of you think, oh, Pastor Ben's a musician and he loves music and he always loves music. I have not always been this way. Listen, I don't count myself as a musician. I don't have skill. I don't put in the time or energy. But here's what I have learned. What God did on the inside of me by this practice has transformed me and given me peace where there was in the past no peace. Some of us think, I've got to pray loud and hard and talk all the time to experience the presence of God. Whoa. Time out. Sometimes you got to shut your face. <laughs> But I'm in this broken world and there's all these noises and all these other things around me and it takes me so long to quiet my mind and I just can't do it. Time the heck out. Listen to worship music. I don't like it. Your spirit likes it. Shut out everything else. Listen to worship music. Think about the words. Think about what it says about God. Reflect on who God is. This is sobering. This is not only for your serenity, your survival in this world, your ability to manage the stress of this world, but that it is so that your spirit has a chance to wrangle your flesh so that you cannot be distracted by the things of this world, but be aware of the things of the world that counts. The spiritual realm, the realm in which God created this natural realm, where the living God loves you and is waiting for time with you. In this past month, in my own devotional time, I've been going through the Psalms of, of Ascent. Those are the short ones after Psalm 119. That believers would sing when they would come for the, as according to the calendar that God laid out, multiple times in the year where they would all come together for a feast, a love feast, a festival, and not do a whole bunch of religious things as much as actually feast together and celebrate and tell stories of what God has done in the past that was miraculous, that is what why they appreciate. This is the order of things. And and quite frankly, we, we could do that better. 
But in the Psalms of Ascent, we hear this important refrain. My help comes from the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. Like Jesus said to the woman at the well, if only you knew who you were speaking to, you would ask me to give you living water that you would thirst no more. There can be a spiritual thirst on the inside of us that we think is, is a natural expression of depression, of anxiety, of stress, of, of these other things. And, and in effect, what is underneath it all and what is directly connected to it all. Uh, Pastor Ben, why don't you just entertain us with a, a more outward focused life skill kind of a sermon on a Sunday morning. That way we can like learn how to maybe be better parents or be better at work or better these. If you can get this, all of that will be easier. Yeah. 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 Psalm 21.13 Rise up, O Lord, in all your power with music and singing we celebrate your mighty acts the church that i grew up in we were instructed in this thing we called the sacrifice of praise and what we'd do is we'd give the band a break they would not play and everybody would stand and sing at full voice yeah. to god about god if you had a spiritual language you would sing in your spiritual language would sing. It was a sacrifice of praise. And what we've, and there were times where the pastor and our guest speakers would even have a clock and they'd say, okay, we're going to go for one minute. And we go for one minute. Now we're going to go for three minutes. And let me tell you something that might sound weird, legalistic and manipulative, but it may have saved my life because when times were rough, whether I was laying in in the grass or in the cement, I would sing to God and my world would change. That's a part of my story. So while I do sing to serve you, I sing for my own benefit. Because God is worth it. So good. It gives us an opportunity to celebrate who God is, to adore, to listen to the music, to think about the words, to reflect. This word reflect. Reflect on scriptures and let the Spirit apply them to your life. The beginning of Psalms, Psalm chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted by the river bank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. What this is talking about is believers who anchor themselves in a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God in which they listen to the scriptures as God's way of speaking to them and reflect on what that means and ground their life in that truth will be people that no matter how the winds blow, no matter how dry things are, no matter how desperate the winter comes, they will still bear fruit in seasons where it seems weird. Rebecca and I knew a young lady at the office where I worked in Portland before we moved here who actually grew up in Baltimore. And she said to me one day, very stressful time in our company, she said, I don't get it, why aren't you stressed? And I started to give some bogus answer and I just realized I had to stop. 
say, you know what? I, I'm not stressed because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done in my life. And I just left it at that. And that led to her coming to faith in Christ. You need meditation. Whoa, what church did we come to? The practice of spiritual meditation. You know, I. it shouldn't be a surprise to us that medical science proves that stretching is good for you. I can see that I'm making some of you feel uncomfortable with my stretching. <laughs> Breathing is good for you. You laugh at me like it's obvious. Breathing in meditation on the Lord is good for you. We have Buddhism and Hinduism and all these things taking over this neighborhood in many respects with practices that Yahweh worshipers did first. And yet now we are bad at. And we wonder why we're frustrated and stressed. Take a simple line of the Scripture Pause before you go to bed. There's science that the flicker of a screen keeps your brain awake longer. That's having a screen on right before you go to bed is not going to help you go to sleep easier. Turn off everything with a screen. Put on some worship music. Take one phrase of a scripture and think about what it communicates to you about God. Now, now choose, you know, good scriptures. You might need thou shalt not kill, but that might not be the best one, right? (laughs) What does it communicate to you about? And breathe. Stretch. Breathe. I've had a week where I did not complete my to-do list. And that includes communicating with some of you this week that are like, yeah, I wish I would have heard from you this week. I know. It was rough. (laughs) But I chose in this 40-day worship challenge every day to pause for a few minutes. And on a couple of days in particular, I literally just even turned off the music and just had, once I was in the right frame of mind, had silence and just breathed and just reflected on what I knew to be true about God. Before, I was stressed. Afterwards... I had a peace. And through the rest of the afternoon, as I wrestled through my to-do list, my being, my state of being was altered. It's good for you. Stretch. Breathe. Hydrate. Reflect on what you've learned about God who created the universe and His love for you. It will help put you in the right frame of mind to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. Anchor yourself with the Scripture. The Scripture is helpful. In the Scripture, we have objective truth. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16-17 through 17 says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. So grab a passage of Scripture and ask yourself some very simple questions about it. Is it important? Why does it matter? 
But you're saying we should question the scripture? Yes! Ask questions! Is it important? Why does it matter? What does that mean? What should I do about it? I'm suggesting that you reflect on the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit apply them to your life. God has already spoken to you. He has already spoken to you. Now, third, allow the Holy Spirit to bring adjustments to specific areas of your life. Listen. We see first, first Kings chapter 19 and verse 12. Elijah sees crazy stuff, but God speaks to him in a gentle whisper. In Ephesians chapter 4 verses 23 through 24, it says, let the Spirit renew or make new your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous, and holy. Listen, a part of the human condition often includes we might have a long list of things about us that we wish were different, that we would like to change. Are you with me? Right? Really common for us. I don't want to think about that stuff because I'll just get overwhelmed with all the ways that I'm not good enough. That's not the Holy Spirit talking to you. In my experience, and I think Scripture backs this up, most of the time, the Holy Spirit will speak to you about one area of life. Because God, the Holy Spirit, is not there to overwhelm you or to condemn you. The difference between worldly sorrow and godly guilt is that it brings us to change. God knows you. He's not here to overwhelm you with a list of 12 things. He wants to help you. What we've read in the scripture today, he wants to equip you. He wants to invite you into next steps and growth. He loves you as a child or in an immature state in your spirit. And he also wants his love to help you take next steps in spiritual growth. But what is so important for us is to not prejudice our relationship with God by the things that are the inside voice inside our head that are not God. Now, if hand, given a handout Um, Last week, and I have more copies of it with me today, of how God speaks. Two pages of a Bible study of how God speaks. Very important for us to learn to distinguish the multiple sources from which you might hear yourself, another human, your enemy, or God. How do I distinguish those things? Well, does what you're hearing, is it consistent Is it consistent with God's character? If what you're hearing is speaking judgment on you with no hope, with no step towards positive change, it's not God. If it's condemnation, if it's connected to a source of unhealthy thought, if it's leading you towards a downward spiral, if it leads you to isolation, uh, isolating yourself from healthy relationships, if it's leading you to think worse about yourself, it's not God. Now, if it brings a conviction of sin, hey, doing that is not good for you. Stop it. That's a self-destructive habit. 
that leads you towards isolation from God, doesn't lead you towards peace, stop it. Well, that is God, right? If you're getting overwhelmed, it may be you combining something that the Holy Spirit said with something that you're saying to yourself or something that the enemy is trying to do to twist it. Because the enemy can come as an angel of light. What the enemy has done from the time of the Garden of Eden is twisted or perverted the Word of God. So that we see the enemy comes to Jesus, right, in the wilderness, being tempted. What does the enemy do? He quotes Scripture. So just because it's Scripture that comes to you doesn't mean that it is God himself that's speaking it. There is objective truth. There is a right versus a wrong way of interpreting the scripture. And we can learn from, is God speaking this truth to me? Because if God is speaking this truth to me, it will be life-giving. It will be enabling. It will be equipping. It will help me. It will lead me to a place of having an ability to, to change my behavior, to grow in the direction of a peaceful relationship with God. So we need to learn to recognize. So I can go to the scripture to analyze, is what I'm hearing, is it consistent with the character of God? Is it consistent with the word of God? Is it leading me in a direction that is godly? And if it doesn't meet that criteria, or if you're still confused about it, then what do we do next? We go to a mature believer and we ask a mature believer about it and we invite into our lives a select few mature believers to help us recognize the counsel of the Holy Spirit and whether or not we're hearing from God. Am I making any sense? The more that something that you're hearing is changing the direction of your life, the more important this is. And the more directive it is, the more important that it lines up with the obvious truth of Scripture, it lines up with the character of God, the words that God has said, what we can learn about the nature of God. You know that if you study the Bible, you will learn about how God thinks and how God feels and how God makes decisions. It's a great reason to read through the Bible at length and think about the big picture of what you've learned, what you've taken away about the character, about the personality. God has a personality. The more you learn about that, the easier it will be to line up what you're hearing and say, is this God? Because listen, if you make decisions in your life by, I feel this way. You're precious and it's not helpful. God revealed to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 17, the human heart is deceitful. How do you know if you're deceived? I had good feelings. I had really good feelings when I was overeating, and then they turned to bad feelings. <laughs> I overheard a conversation about the classifications between vegetables and fruit. Some of you already know where I'm going. A tomato or a tomato? Fruit or vegetable? It's a fruit. I thought I would get some from the farmers. It's a fruit. <laughs> What is a corn? Corn, technically, is a vegetable, a fruit, and a grain. It has an identity crisis. God doesn't want you to have an identity crisis. Some of you are still having an identity crisis. Google it. Look it up. There's websites about this stuff. God doesn't want you to have an identity crisis. God has spoken to you His love for you. He cares about you. And He wants you to hear His voice. He wants you to hear the voice of Jesus. 
Jesus, the good shepherd. My sheep will recognize my voice. A few questions on this last point. What is one area of your life that God is speaking to you about? What is one adjustment you can make in that area? What is one step you can take in that direction? Share that one step with another believer. We can respond to the voice of God and grow in a way where we are supported and not overwhelmed. Are you with me? Listen, I'm inviting you to something that is a connection that is the most powerful thing for your life. And that is for you to be in the presence of God and to hear the voice of God. You'll see in the Bible study with the multiple pages that God speaks in different ways to different people at different times. But God loves you. He cares about you. He's leading you. He does want to speak to you. But it does require us to set aside time to block out distractions, to unwind, to compartmentalize if we need to, set out the to-do list, get it all off our minds, and then set ourselves in the right frame of mind to spiritually make a connection with God and hear the voice of the Lord. It's the will of God for you. It is where life-changing power and ability to take next steps in your relationship with God is available. I want to uh, pray. And I want you to know that Rebecca and I are here and we're available to you to answer any questions about this journey. It is a journey. You can have really good days in God where this happens. And then you can go through dry seasons where it seems really difficult. It's no judgment on your character. We're in this together. We're journeying together. Amen? Amen. Lord, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you have provided for us. I thank you that you are ever speaking to us. Great is your faithfulness and your tender mercies. They are new every morning. Help us, Lord, to set aside whatever would distract us. Come into a place where we can truly listen to your voice and get closer to you. Help us this week, every day, to set aside at least a few minutes to be in your presence and to hear your voice so that we could better recognize your voice and follow you. We thank you, God, for your leading. We thank you, God, for your love. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 I love you guys. It's so good to be with you today. Grace and peace to you. Have a great day.